Hello and welcome to the Alive Church in Newark podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. We hope that you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged and inspired to pursue the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm bringing the word today and um, to be honest, I'm a little bit self-conscious about it because um, it was it was brought to my attention um, that by the children's team that um, one of the children in children's church had uh, made a comment one week um, about the length of time that they had in children's church. And the comment was, oh, well, it's Dom this week, so we've got ages. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. And uh, as I was looking this week at the uh, length of the podcast for each uh, um, episode on the podcast... There is a bit of a bit of a bit of a pattern emerging, I would suggest. I don't want to be known as that guy. I don't want to be that guy that preaches for too long and bores people. So I'll tr- <laughs> try not to. A 20-minute message today. How's that sound? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, I'm excited because uh, we're in a new season, and we've been talking about entering a new season for a while. And now I truly believe that we are uh, we're in this new season of, uh, of of our church. Over the past few weeks, we've uh, we've shared practically uh, sort of what that's going to look like in terms of being all in for Jesus, being all in for our community, and being all in for uh, the church. Actually, Jesus Church Community is the order. Uh, actually, and uh, and on Friday, for those of you that were that were able to be here, uh, we shared on a on a bit of a practical level, kind of what that looks like, and and, uh, and some things that are going to change uh, going forward. And and so I'm I'm inspired, I'm excited, I'm encouraged to see what it is that God uh, is going to do and what things are going to going to look like. But it occurs to me uh, that uh, that actually the biggest uh, factor and the biggest uh, biggest um, uh, part to play really in just what we see and what we experience and what we get to be a part of the biggest factor in all of this is actually us. It's actually us. Uh, now it's very clear uh, in His Word. It's not by our strength or by our might, but uh, but by the Spirit of God uh, that we will see battles won and that we will see His church built. Absolutely, uh, He will build His church, but He chooses to partner with us. He chooses uh, to uh, to make that His mode of operation, and He moves through us, doesn't He? And He can only move through those that choose uh, to allow that to happen. And, uh, and Jesus said as he was going about his healing ministry, uh, one of the things he said to his disciples at one point was, well, the harvest is plenty, yeah, but the workers are few. The workers are few. And uh, that's a bit of a challenge to me fairly regularly, actually. Harvest is, uh, is plenty. I know that because we've got a town of 40,000 people just out those doors there. Uh, the harvest is plenty, uh, but the workers are few. Now, one of the greatest hindrances, as we said, one of the greatest hindrances to this, uh, to the mission is, is people. Because people, us humans, are capable, we are capable of listening to and heeding voices that lie. We are capable of hearing lies that are spoken over us, lies that actually sound so true and so easy uh, to believe. Uh, but here's the thing, they're not true. They're not true. Um, 
for those uh, for those of you who uh, who perhaps don't know much about uh, about uh, us and, uh, and and perhaps what's what's gone on in in this church, uh, two years or so ago, there was a requirement in this church for um, for n- uh, new leadership. New leadership was was needed. Somebody needed to uh, to to step up, to raise their hand and and uh, and say, "Yeah, we'll do that." We'll do that. Uh, somebody, uh, somebody was needed to be used by God to help, uh, to help lead the church. And it was a confusing time. It was a scary time. It was an odd time, actually. And, uh, and Sam and I thought, we could do that. Can't be that difficult, can it? We could do that. Uh, and so, and so we, we raised our hands, but here's the thing. We weren't actually sure. We weren't actually convinced uh, at all because there is so much saying there was so much saying in fact there is still so much saying no this isn't for you this is this isn't for you at all these 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 questions are asked where's your 30 years of experience in ministry where's your phd in greek where's your track record of good solid leadership where's the evidence of ministerial giftings and leadership giftings the lie of the enemy is a sweet-sounding lie because it's one that sounds so true. And, uh, and one of the biggest lies we hear is, no, this isn't for you. This isn't for you. You're not holy enough for this. You're not perfect enough for this. You're not experienced enough for this. And it sounds so true. And these lies have the power, they have the ability to completely decommission a person for what it is that God has called them to. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is this story of the time when David was chosen to be the next king of Israel. And uh, times were tough in 1040 BC. Right? Israel was at war, uh, fighting a war with the Philistines. It, it wasn't going that well at the time. And, uh, and to make matters worse, they were under the authority of this king, chap called Saul. And, uh, and Saul uh, was proving to be a total disaster of a king. This guy was not good news at all. Uh, he'd begun to disobey God. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't good at all. Uh, so much so, in fact, that God had already rejected Saul as the king of Israel. But he was still playing the part of the king. So he was actually still king, but God had already rejected him. How weird is that? To continue to do something that you know that God's already said, no, I'm rejecting you. But he was, anyway, he was, uh, he, was, he was king over Israel. And Samuel, this guy Samuel, uh, was a prophet from God. And he was the one who had been sent to anoint this king, uh, Saul. And so this Samuel guy who was looking at the state of the nation at the time, looking at this king that he'd appointed, anointed, sorry, he'd anointed, and, uh, and he was just totally disheartened. And, uh, and I think he must have felt partially responsible, you know, because that's our human nature, isn't it? I anointed this guy. That was me. I was the one that poured the oil on his, do you know what I mean, on his head. This is my fault. Uh, disappointment and stagnation uh, set the atmosphere in, uh, in, the, in the story at the time where we pick up the story uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and uh, verse 1. Uh, I'll read it for you while you find it in your Bibles. So I don't think we should... Oh, no, it's these kind of things that make it longer than a 20-minute message. I was going to say... I'll say it anyway. So I don't think we should bring back paper Bibles. Yeah? Everyone bring a paper Bible to church. 
We've got phones and everything. New version's amazing, absolutely is, and you can find things really quick when you, you, know, when, when you want to. Uh, but paper Bibles, yeah? Something good about them. Something holier about them. Anyway, First uh, uh, Samuel chapter 16, uh, verses 1 to 5, it says this, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse, son of, uh, sorry, to Jesse of, of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They said, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord uh, consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So we find Samuel in this time, uh, really he's, uh, when we first read in the first uh, couple of verses of uh, chapter 16, he's stewing in this, uh, in this pity, really. God says that Samuel is mourning for what has failed to happen. He's in a state of mourning. And when we're faced with situations that haven't quite worked out how we thought they would, or perhaps uh, when we've tried to make something happen that we were sure was of God, and it hasn't worked out the way uh, that we thought it would, really we're faced with this choice. Right? We're faced with a choice, aren't we? Because what Samuel could have done is he could have given up. He could have just walked away. Could have just walked away then and there, uh, given up the call of God over his life. You know, I'm fairly confident that he would have had some self-doubts, yeah? Because I know I would if I was uh, in his position. I'm fairly sure perhaps he would have been aware of some lies, uh, lies that he would have been listening to. This is all uh, extrapolation. This isn't actually in the Bible. This is just how uh, what I imagine is happening in the life of uh, Samuel at this time. I imagine he's thinking things like, you know, uh, you're not very good at this profit business, are you? Not very good at that. Perhaps, uh, you know, this idea that I've only gone and anointed the wrong king. I've anointed this idiot as a king. It's my fault. Perhaps I should just give up now. Perhaps I should just give up now. But not Samuel. See, Samuel, in this situation, he doesn't choose to give up. He actually chooses to listen to God. He chooses to hear from God, and then God says, I am sending you. In the face of disappointment, God is still on the move. This is awesome. When we face disappointment and crisis, this is not the time to leave, to walk away, uh, but actually it's our time to intently tune in to what it is that God is saying and what it is that God is going to do next. Because I know for me, I don't want to miss out on what it is that God is doing because I'm just attending a pity party. Membership one. Samuel gets up, he dusts himself down, and he goes again. He goes again. Maybe some of us in this room are being prevented from seeing God. Maybe, uh, maybe someone here uh, needs to uh, be encouraged 
to pick yourself up, to dust yourself down and to be ready to go again, to be ready to listen again, to be ready to see again what it is that God wants to do, where it is God wants to go next. Maybe that is uh, for someone in this room today, uh, maybe. Because the next part of the story is where it really gets good, right? So we're in 1 Samuel, we're continuing chapter uh, uh, 16 and verses 6 to 11. And it says this, when they arrived at the sacrifice, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. See, people look at outward. Then Jesse called Abinadab. I struggle with that every time. Abinadab. Uh, Then Jesse called Abinadab and, uh, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. And so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. See, in this situation, Eliab is the obvious choice, right? He's the oldest. That immediately puts him in, uh, you know, first in line if there's uh, any kingship up for debate. Uh, he's, he's first in line. Perhaps he's taller. Perhaps he's got wider shoulders, you know. Uh, but he is, he's the obvious choice. And it's tricky for us as people because uh, we can see things can't we with our eyes and uh, we can see and we can make snap decisions on people uh, pretty quickly pretty quickly actually uh, before we know anything about them and Samuel sees Eliab and he decides that he must be the right guy for the job that's Samuel's opinion and similarly and worse as well Jesse has already decided that his youngest son is in fact not the right person for the job Jesse, uh, Jesse uh, says that David is the youngest son. Now, youngest, the, the, the word in Hebrew, I looked it up, the word in Hebrew for, uh, that, uh, that, that is used here for youngest actually means insignificant as well. It's got this tone of, of insignificance. And so Jesse is speaking over David, this guy, now he's the youngest guy, he's insignificant. Didn't even invite him to the lineup. He's never going to choose him. No way. It's not the right guy for the job at all. Um, This is a lie that Jesse is speaking over David. It's a lie. Now, where did this lie come from? Did the lie come from the enemy? Did it come from uh, his human nature? I don't know where the lie came from, but there was a lie. And the lie was spoken over David. God had already said in 1 Samuel chapter 13, he'd already spoken to Saul and and he'd said uh, that your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and he has appointed him ruler over his people. This is the criteria that God sets out. This is the criteria that he's interested in. God is interested in somebody who is after his own heart. It's a criteria that we struggle to see, don't we? 
We struggle to see what's going on in someone's heart. Now, true, there's the gift of discernment. Absolutely. But we struggle to see what's really going on inside someone's heart, but not God. And God looks for people uh, who are after his own heart. And say so for Samuel at this, at, at this moment, his entire world has been rocked, right? Can you, can, should we just take a second just to put ourselves in the position of Samuel, right? So uh, firstly, uh, he's, uh, he's seen the king that he's anointed, Saul. He's seen him uh, make a massive hash of things and then uh, be rejected by God. That's the first thing. That's pretty world-rocking, I would have thought, if I were a prophet anointing kings. Uh, then, uh, when he's gone on his mission again to anoint the next king, it's not uh, turning out anything like what he thought it would turn out like at all. Those that God chooses are from the least likely. They're from the least likely. Our own personal agendas, they don't play into it. And here's the thing, and here's something that I was challenged with as I was, uh, as I was reading First Samuel chapter 16, that it's not our job, it's not our role uh, to write people off. It's not our role to speak a lie over somebody that says, no, this isn't for you. That's not our, we don't have that authority to do that. We don't have the authority that Jesse tried to assume. That's not for us. That's not on us. And so when David arrives, he's anointed, uh, and, uh, and from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16 and verse 12 to 13, it says this, So he sent for him, David, and brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, listen to this, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. And so this whole story, I love this story. Who likes this story? Yeah? Two people in the room like the story. I'll try and choose a better story for next time then. <laughs> Uh, I love this story. This whole story teaches us something about the kingdom of God. Uh, it teaches us how di- just how differently it works uh, to the world uh, that we're used to. Samuel was so desperate to see God move. He was so desperate to see God's kingdom come. He was so desperate to see a king return to Israel, a king who would take authority, that would act under the authority of God and in, in obedience with God to see Israel returned and restored uh, to prosperity. He was so desperate to see this come about. He his heart's desire was all correct. But none of this was going to happen in the way that he thought it was. None of it was going to happen how he expected. First, he had to face significant disappointment with Saul. Then uh, he had to get up, dust himself down, and be prepared uh, to once again listen to what it is that God was going to do, even despite the disappointment that he'd faced. Then uh, he had to go and put down his own preconceived ideas of how he thought it should work out, and he instead uh, had to uh, get with God's program. He had to get with God's program and what God was going to do. He had to listen to God. And if, we, if we're truly desperate to see God's kingdom come, and if we're truly desperate to see heaven touch earth, and if we're truly desperate to see revival in this town, it's not going to happen how we think it will. It's not going to happen according to our own preconceived ideas. So we better put them down. We better put them down. Because all we're going to do is slow things down. And we need to get ready to do things God's way. 
We need to get ready uh, to, uh, to listen to God. Listen to God. If Samuel hadn't listened to God, things would have gone a lot differently, wouldn't they? If Samuel hadn't been able to listen to God in the first place in his pit when he was mourning, when he was uh, facing disappointment, if he wasn't able to listen to God, then he could have just walked away. He could have just given up the call on his life, as we said. And then if, if Samuel hadn't been able to listen to God when he was facing the line of brothers, the, the brothers that looked like they were the right people, and if he wasn't able to listen to God in that time, then he could have anointed the wrong king. Listening to God is fairly key, I would say. And, uh, and if we want to see change in our lives, and if we want to see change in our streets, then we're going to have to listen to God. We're going to have to listen to God. <laughs> I love that, uh, that even this morning, um, we've, we've seen and we've experienced uh, the church hearing from God, listening to God. Uh, words have been spoken, like I say, by Heather, by Lou. Uh, this idea of just, just having an ear open to heaven to see what it is that he wants to do. To see what it is that he wants to do, we're going to have to listen to God. And God breaks down these lies. You know, we started at the beginning and we talked about these lies that are spoken, these lies that, that are spoken over people, over us, uh, over, uh, over situations, over circumstances, the lies that the enemy whispers into our ears, the ones that sound so true, the lies that say, this is not for you. God breaks these lies down. But here's the interesting, I was thinking about the lies. I was thinking about the lies. You know what's really interesting about the lies? Is that the lies contain truth. That's why they're such good lies. That's why they're such good lies. Parts of the lies are true. It's genius. It's a genius tactic that the enemy uses because here's the thing. Uh, in this room, you know, you might have heard the lies. This isn't for you because you might be the least likely. That could be true. Uh, it could be that you are not the first choice in other people's view. That could be true. Here's the thing. Uh, you might not have the things that qualify you in the eyes of other people. That could be true. These are all truths that are wrapped up in this lie. Uh, but here's, here's the bigger truth. God isn't interested in those things. God isn't interested in those things at all. God looks for men and women after his own heart. David was the least likely, but he was the one God wanted. And I find that really encouraging. And Jesus extends this principle as well himself, doesn't he, when he, uh, when he goes about his ministry on earth and he chooses his disciples, scatty teenagers, really. That's who they were. No idea what they were doing. Criminals. Matthew was a tax collector. Criminal. Despised by society. These are the least likely. These are who God chooses. These are the people that have a, 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 a heart after God. And these people change the world. Not by their power, not by their might. Absolutely not. No way. Because there wasn't any. But by the Spirit of God. By the power of God. Again, 1 Samuel 16.13, Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And so I believe that this is, a, this, is, this is an encouragement for us. You know, because on Friday, 
um, as we shared uh, what we believe that the church is going to look like going forward over this over the next season serious questions have to be asked don't they what is it that God is asking me to do what is it uh, that I am hearing from God what are you going to do you start a ministry I don't know you're going to plant a church that'd be cool are you going to see healing occur Are you going to preach the gospel to hundreds of people? I don't know. But I'm excited to find out. I'm excited to find out. And there's lies going on as well. Let's let's name it this morning. There are lies happening. This isn't for you. But the lies are just that. They're lies. The lies are lies. Around 200 years after David, uh, there was a chap called Isaiah. And, and he was chosen by God to be his messenger on earth as well. And he was equally as unlikely, in fact, as, uh, as David was. And in the book of Isaiah, uh, which, is, uh, which is the book in the Bible that documents uh, Isaiah's life and, uh, and, and some, of the, some of the great things that happened around there, uh, there is a, a verse that's written in Isaiah 61. And I'd like us, if we can, uh, to read it and to declare it over ourselves this morning. Uh, I haven't got it on the screen, actually. Um, sorry about that. So I'll say a line, and then, and then you repeat after me. So I'd actually like it if we can stand, if we're able, because I feel like this is, uh, this is a significant truth that we need to declare over ourselves, over our church, as we're going forward and as we're listening to God and figuring out what it is uh, that we are to do. And it starts like this. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord. For the display of his splendor. This is a truth written over us, declared over us by God. Take seats. We don't have the authority to dismiss those that God has anointed, nor do we have the power to write off those who he has written in. That's not on us. Our position is twofold. I'll summarize with this. Firstly, to be dutifully obedient, to hear what God is doing, to hear who he is choosing, just like Samuel was. 
And second, to be ready, to be willing, and to be open to be called by God as unlikely people to do unlikely things, not by our own strength or might, but by the power and the spirit of the sovereign Lord, like David. David was a choice by God. He was a sovereign choice. He was a surprising choice. He was a spirit-filled choice. He was God's choice. I don't know if you've ever written someone off for the work of the ministry because they didn't fit your preconceived ideas of what that would look like. But I'd like to pray into that. I don't know if you've ever been written off. Someone else has ever written you off because you don't fit someone else's preconceived ideas of what something should look like. But I'd like to pray into that as well. Because the fact is, is that we're on a mission. Our own stuff, our own ideas are going to slow us down. We need to leave all those things at the foot of the cross and see what it is that God wants to do. Because as far as I can tell, nobody's written off by God. Nobody's written off by God as long as they have a heart after his own. And be willfully obedient to him. That's the criteria for the kingdom. That's the criteria. That's his criteria. It's actually interesting. Uh, after David was anointed king, um, he then he went back to the field. He went back to ten sheep. He did that for uh, for quite a while, actually. Uh, and then he was called to serve under Saul. Can you imagine that? You know that God has anointed you as king, and yet you harassed and you have to serve under a different king who, uh, who's already been written off by God I love this period of time and again it, it, it's, I find these things they, they, they speak so, uh, so clearly into, into my own life and I, and I hope they do into yours too but there was a, a period of time between an anointing from God and actually the time that David took the throne there was a, there was a sizable gap and it was an important gap because it was a gap of preparation. It was a gap of preparation. And David learned so much in his field with his sheep. He learned how to pastor people. He learned how to care for people. He learned how to be the king that God called him to be. This time of preparation is so key. And, uh, and I believe that there are things spoken over uh, people in this room, across this room, I particularly uh, think actually that there are uh, healing gifts in this room that have been uh, given by God because there are people that have been chosen to be anointed to, uh, to, 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 into a special uh, healing ministry. And perhaps there is a time of preparation before that fully comes into play, before we fully see it in action. We shouldn't be scared or put off by a, a, a period of preparation that's okay that's okay so let's pray Lord we thank you that you chose uh, to go about your mission into our world um, through your church 
We thank you, Lord, that you, uh, that you choose to partner with us, that you choose uh, to partner with your church and that you've anointed your church, you've anointed each of us to go about your mission into this world, to, sp- to spread your good news, to declare your gospel message, to see healing occur in your name, to testify to your authority, your power. We thank you, Lord, that you've asked uh, us to go into the world to make disciples. We thank you, Lord, that you choose to partner with us. And Lord, we approach your throne this morning uh, and we're sorry for the times where we have been the ones that write others off. We're sorry for the times where we have been the ones that speak no over a life that you have spoken yes over. And for those times, and I do hope that they are uh, few and far between, but I'm sure they're there anyway. And so, Lord, uh, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your, uh, for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, for the times that we've been written off by others, for the times that no has been spoken over us, for the times that this isn't for you is spoken over our lives. We thank you, Lord, that these are lies. That these are lies. Because because you have chosen us, you've anointed us, and you've commissioned us. So we thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for joining with us. We hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did enjoy, you can subscribe to hear more from Alive Church Newark. You can share this message with your friends or you can share on your social media pages. We hope and pray you have a great week and meet with God. God bless you.